Mr. Weston's weekly uh, video uh, message reported, uh, and we just heard in the uh, announcement by Mr. McNair, that we had uh, 90 uh, fee sites around the world. And uh, it was very interesting to hear that in Burundi, which is a French-speaking East African country, that we had a 1,000 uh, brethren there. Many of them are new, some from uh, Church of God, Seventh Day, and four different fee sites, and uh, Mr. Reese Ellett was able to uh, serve them there in Africa. So that was very exciting and encouraging news. But we live in a negative world, and it's uh, every time you read the newspapers or, or see uh, some of the uh, news on TV, and uh, we realize that the, we were living in a mad, mad world. We had that uh, DVD that was sent out for the semi-annual letter one time. We need encouragement. Dr. Douglas Renato's commentary this week, which uh, uh, Mr. McNair read, was titled, The Value of Hope. And we just heard it uh, read in the announcements. And there was a time in 1959 when I needed hope. Um, by the way, there's a TW uh, television telecast coming up in a couple more weeks. Uh, four more weeks, November 21st, uh, the, the Hope You Need by uh, Wally Smith. So uh, that's coming up. That will offer uh, WML and the literature, What is the Meaning of Life? I think that was formerly uh, the, Your Ultimate Destiny. So we all need hope. But in 1959, I joined the uh, National Guard program, which was six months active duty, and five and a half years reserve duty. I got basic training in Fort Dix, New Jersey, and, and then on to uh, Fort Gordon, uh, Georgia, and Augusta, Georgia. And uh, when I was released after the six months of basic training and headed back to my home in Connecticut, uh, all I could see on the world scene was nuclear holocaust because we had the superpowers of the Soviet Union and the United States in the Cold War, as it was called, viewing the possibility of nuclear war. And it was called MAD, Mutual Assured Destruction. That uh, that was the only thing keeping us apart from Armageddon and from the nuclear war at that time. Mr. Weston had both the telecast and uh, the Tomorrow's World magazine article, March, April 2020, on world uh, Cold War secrets revealed. Uh, he pointed out how the General Eisenhower, or President Eisenhower at the time, commissioned what was called PSYOP, a single integrated operation plan, uh, which meant that if we were attacked by the Soviet Union, that we would retaliate with all our nuclear weapons to, quote, destroy the Soviet Union, Red China, and the Soviet satellite states, which meant Eastern Europe, in a single cataclysmic blow if the United States were attacked, end of quote. So you realize when you read that article and see Mr. Weston's program, which, by the way, uh, received four tele awards, and then you also see Mr. We Mr. Wally Smith's program on Hiroshima 75 years later when you see the, the terrible effects of nuclear war and even the atomic bombs were like little matchsticks compared to the neutron bombs that are available today. And by the way, Mr. Smith's uh, telecast, Hiroshima 75 years later, also got uh, four tele awards. That aired uh, August the 8th. So I was depressed. I, I just could see nuclear war on the horizon. And how did I cope with that? I coped with that by subscribing to free magazines. I thought, all, all this mail come in to me. Maybe this mail will encourage me. And I, I heard on the radio, Box 111, Pasadena, California, free magazine. And I put a little card in my, my desk and... Later on, I was writing for all these and sent for the Plain Truth magazine, uh, January 1960. And I totally ignored it. But it was then uh, later when um, 
I was asked by the pastor of our local Methodist church to teach eighth grade Sunday school uh, that I found the Methodist material very uh, weak and uh, in, uninteresting. So I said, where can I find some information? Well, I looked at this Plain Truth magazine, you know, nine months later after I'd been receiving it, and Dr. Meredith had a series on the Ten Commandments. And I started teaching the eighth grade Sunday school the Ten Commandments. And God started opening my mind. And I started listening to Mr. Herbert Armstrong on radio, The World Tomorrow, and realizing I'd never heard before that Jesus Christ was coming back. You'll turn to John, the 14th chapter. To me, this was good news because I could just see the world was going to become a total empty, destroyed, demolished uh, little globe out here in in the universe with nothing else left and no life living. But this gave me hope for the first time when Mr. Armstrong started reading from John, the 14th chapter, and he said, of course, it's mentioning here one of the greatest events in all history, that is the return of Jesus Christ. So Jesus said in John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, not not mansions, but dwelling places or abodes. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And to me, that was incredible news. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where, where I go, you know, and the way you know. So God has given us some fantastic, fantastic, but realistic and awesome promises for the future. And realize that how are those promises going to be, be fulfilled? Well, of course, you read later where, where in the verse 6 where Thomas said, well, we don't know the way. And how do you know that those promises are going to be fulfilled? Well, Jesus said in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But we have that guaranteed promises because Christ is the way. And he has all power in the universe. The whole universe is sustained by the word of his power. That tells us in Hebrews, the first chapter. And I won't turn there, but Isaiah 46, uh, verses uh, 9 through 11. And we've quoted this in some of our telecasts and uh, prophetic articles where he says, I will do all my pleasure. That is, I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So we have that total assurance that God is in control. And he has this amazing plan that we experienced during the Feast of Tabernacles, a wonderful plan that we've been called to as the first fruits. I will encourage you to read also Dr. Meredith's inspiring booklet, Prophecy Fulfilled, God's Hand in World Affairs. In fact, that's the literature offer of this coming weekend of the telecast, Amazing Prophecies Fulfilled. Uh, that was also uh, an article for the Tomorrow's World magazine, uh, June 2021. So we have the confidence of God's promises and his prophecies to be coming fulfilled because they have been fulfilled in the past. So God is, has all power in the universe. He has fulfilled his promises and he has fulfilled his prophecies. Turn to Second Peter, the first chapter. Second Peter, the first chapter. And here's one, you talk about promises. Uh, this is one of the most awesome uh, promises you can find in the Bible because it promises more promises. Second Peter, the first chapter. Second Peter, chapter 1. Let's take a sip here of tea. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2.
Peter writes, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by glory and virtue. You know, brethren, we don't have time to just read every phrase in this, but take time to read through this promise of Second Peter 1, verse 2 through 4. And think about it, that He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Think about that. Meditate on that. Through the knowledge of Him was called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. I hope you have that underlined in your Bible, if you underline your Bible. Exceedingly great. Not just great, but exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So God has given these precious and magnificent promises, as the NASA version. The NIV says, uh, these promises are of great worth, and no amount of money can buy them. <laughs> and when you look up the definition of the word precious, it's defined as uh, every, uh, say, uh, precious, of great value, not to be wasted or treated carelessly. So the word precious is like the word priceless. But we think about the little babies that have been born here recently coming in the, in the hall today. So one of these little babies in the, in the carriage there, and you think, precious. What is precious? Those little babies are so precious, yes, of great value, and not to be treated uh, carelessly. The, uh, one of the other one uh, uh, versions has every human being is precious in God's sight. Well, that was a co-worker letter by Dr. Meredith, which I, I've quoted in several other sermons. You realize, what is of a great value? You know, little babies are of great value. Uh, God's promises are of great value. Uh, but Dr. Meredith said in that co-worker letter, one of the QQs, the quotable quotes that I write down from time to time, quote, every human being is precious in God's sight, end of quote. Yes, every human being has a potential of being a member of the very family of God. So God has given us great promises, and the title of the sermon today is Claim God's Precious Promises. Claim God's Precious Promises, or if you want to write down, priceless. Uh, as the NIV says, no money can buy them. <laughs> That's uh, the value of them. Uh, we have the sermon, The Promises of God, by uh, Bob League. And another sermon you can uh, access on our members' lcg.org website, uh, God's Precious Promises. So what are your famous or your, your most favorite promises of the Bible? I asked my wife that the other day, and she said, uh, she said, Christ promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's Hebrews 13.5. Then, then the next day I asked her again, what are your favorite promises? He said, John 3.16. Oh, God has promised us eternal life. So what are your precious promises? And have you ever claimed those promises? And when do you, what do you treasure and value most? Because you, these are valuable. Uh, precious promises. First of all, let's talk about treasures and, and pearls of promises. I told you the story before, but as a, a boy, I was very intrigued with, with treasures. I even dreamed of finding uh, coins and finding treasures. And I, my first short story that I wrote uh, in sixth grade was, Why My Name is Rich. Uh, the story was I visited my aunt's home and she took me up to the bedroom where I put my clothes in the closet, and I turned on the hook, and, and this secret passage opened up, and it went down to the kitchen. And then there was another secret passage. It went down to the basement, and here was all that treasure, and that's why my name is Rich. Well, that was 
you know, my, my s- uh, simple attempt at a short story back then. Uh, but God has given us fantastic treasures. And uh, how many of you have seen uh, one of the series on television or the mystery of Oak Island? The mystery of, see your hands. I can't see a few hands there. But uh, I was intrigued in that by 1965. In fact, my first sermonette in Pasadena was on the uh, mystery at Oak Island. And here this, these two boys found this uh, pirate's uh, excavation, if you will. It was a kind of a, a channel that went down every 10 feet were wooden, wooden platforms. And that was uh, in the 1700s. Uh, later on, they found out they got, were able to extract a piece of uh, gold, some parchment, and say, no, there's treasure there. Well, they've been trying to get that for all these years. Six people have died in the process. And, uh, but, but you keep looking at, at this series of, on television, and it's, it's like the uh, comic strip. We're making fun of it, saying, oh, I wonder what they're going to find today uh, in the next episode. Uh, maybe another uh, two or three iron uh, nails they found from the 1800s. They're going to find something really valuable there. Well, God has given us something even much more valuable. We search for spiritual treasure. Proverbs, the second chapter. Proverbs, the second chapter. You, our emphasis as we seek the kingdom of God, we're seeking spiritual success, not physical and uh, vain promotions. Self, God calls selfish ambition one of the fruits of the flesh. Proverbs 2, my son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commands with you, 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 you're making it so valuable so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver, search for his hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the eternal and find the knowledge of God. For the eternal gives wisdom. And from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And we've had uh, the warnings about uh, the uh, going to college, as uh, Mr. Wesson has uh, brought out about Prager University, saying uh, you, your chances of your, your son or daughter coming back from college honoring you and honoring your country is near zero. So we have to take that warning and realize where does true knowledge come from? Where are the true values? We had the, the sermon on uh, value of vanity here that's uh, just being sent out here recently. So we search for as for hid treasure. We understand that we seek for as silver. So we need to seek the true treasures of God. And those treasures are pearls of promise, I call them, um, emeralds of encouragement, uh, golden guarantees, uh, bountiful blessings, if you will. Uh, how many promises are there in the Bible? Uh, one researcher said there are 3,573 promises in the Bible. And uh, Herbert Lockyer has written a, a book, All the Promises of the Bible. It's in our uh, Roderick C. Meredith uh, Memorial Library at headquarters. Uh, and it's a thick book, about this thick, all the promises of the Bible. So how many promises are you claiming? If you claimed one a day, in three years you'd have 1,200 promises. So we need to search for the true treasures that are in the Bible. What are your famous promises of the Bible? I'll tell you one of mine later on. But if you want encouragement from the Bible, you seek the true treasures. As Jesus said in John 6:63. The words that I speak unto you are spirit, and they are life. But one of the biggest lessons of life is to learn where the true treasures are hidden. And we actually have a sermon on YouTube called True Treasures. Let's turn to Matthew, the 13th chapter, Matthew 13. And here we have commenting on the value, the true values. What should you seek? 
Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew 13, and starting with verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid for joy. Over, hid for joy over it. He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And I used to just have, have dreams of finding treasure in my backyard. But this is something so valuable, extreme. In verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Dr. Meredith used to tell the story about going back home to his uh, high school friends in Joplin, and they said, well, Rod, you've changed. Uh, you found the pearl a great price, <laughs> they told him. Uh, we all have found the pearl a great price, and we need, of course, put our whole heart and soul in fulfilling the mission that God has given us. I won't turn there, but Matthew 19, you know the story when Jesus told the rich man, uh, you know, uh, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he told him to go sell what he had. But he said he was so went away sorrowful because he had so many riches. And Jesus told him, you need to have treasure in heaven. And that's Matthew 19 and verse 21. Sell to the poor, you have treasure in heaven. So that doesn't mean that all of us have to sell all the things we have. We need, again, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, uh, be prudent, know that there are terrible times coming. And I always ask everyone, how much uh, water have you saved? If you have, have two weeks of uh, water supply, I won't survey, survey you again today. Uh, but Dr. Meredith in the Tomorrow's World magazine wrote, we need to save up. We need to be prudent. We need to prepare for tough times. And we should, if you can at all, be able to save, as he recommended, a six months' worth of uh, housing expenses or uh, living expenses in case you lose your job, in case you have an emergency. So God wants us to be prudent. But we still store up treasures in heaven. We realize that, yes, we're seeking God's kingdom first of all. Well, God has given us all these treasures, all these pearls of promise. How do you claim God's promises. Well, I'll just give you a couple of examples, my personal examples. Uh, turn to Matthew, the seventh chapter. I know I remember one man giving a sermon, and I thought that was pretty good, an acronym, A-S-K, you know, ask, seek, and knock, uh, Matthew 7, 7. When I first came into the church and I first started claiming God's promises, I was working as a transportation engineer in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, at the Regional Planning Commission. And uh, I read somewhere in the Good News ma- magazine from the Worldwide Church, oh, Radio Church of God it was then, uh, about raw whole milk and how raw whole milk was good for you. So I thought, well, where can I get raw whole milk? So when I went to the office, I asked around, where are some dairies around? So they told me, okay, you go out here about 10 miles into the county, and, and there's some dairies. So I went to one dairy and knocked, but the door was closed. He says, he says ask, seek, and knock. I asked, seek, and knock, and the door was closed. But I went out a little further, and there was a dairy farm. And I went to the farmer and uh, said, well, uh, can you can you sell me some uh, raw whole milk? He said, no, I uh, only sell, you know, wholesale. Where can I find some raw, raw whole milk? Oh, well, that uh, Amish lady down the uh, street there, she might sell you some. So it was funny because when he says to knock, I went around the house. I couldn't find the front door to knock, but I finally found the door. Uh, I was, she thought I was a, a government agent because I had my jacket and suit on, but but she did sell me some raw whole milk and also some butter made from raw whole milk. So that was my first experience of ask, seeking, and knock. And uh, last week when we were down in Gaffney, South Carolina, one of the church members said that uh, they do sell raw whole milk in South Carolina. It's legal to do so, uh, but not in North Carolina. So that, that was interesting. 
you turn to Isaiah the 58th chapter, another uh, example of my claiming uh, God's promises. And uh, Isaiah the 58th chapter, and uh, Mr. John Strain in his uh, weekly message says, So let's enjoy the Sabbath and call it a delight. Well, that's what God tells us to do here in Isaiah the 58th chapter. Isaiah 58. And um, let's see, starting with verse 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and you shall honor him, not doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. Of course, that would be the Israel, the mouth of the eternal has spoken. Well, that was around 1962. I was working full-time there in Norfolk and living at Virginia Beach, commuting the 19 miles uh, each day. Uh, there was no church for me to attend. I was listening to Mr. Armstrong every morning on the radio at 6 o'clock, uh, going into the office, uh, keeping the Sabbath by myself. And uh, when I came across this, I said, Well, Father in heaven, I've been keeping the Sabbath, and I, it is a delight, and I'm claiming your promise that I ride on the high places of the earth. And so, well, is God going to answer that claim for my promise to ride on the high places there? Well, it so happened that Garland Wynn, the Garland Wood, the director of the Southeastern Virginia Regional Planning Commission, and I were working on the highways for the five cities and three counties in southeastern Virginia. And at that time, it was not called interstate highways. It was called the Dwight David Eisenhower System of Interstate and Defense Highways. So under President Eisenhower, the idea was not just uh, for interstate commerce, but for defense. And so as it worked out, uh, Garland Wood and I went up to the high places of the earth to Washington, D.C., uh, to check on the defense highways, it would call. We actually met with a, a general or a high officer in the Army who was working on uh, defense highways at the time. So God answered my prayer. And I went to one of the high places of the earth, uh, Washington, D.C., at that time. So how many promises have you claimed? Let's turn to Luke, the 11th chapter. There's so many wonderful promises. I mean, we would take uh, the the 3,700 promises, supposedly, that are in the Bible. Uh, It would take ages for us to go all over them. But we'll talk about a few of the most inspiring and exciting ones here I'll turn to Luke 11, the 11th chapter. Luke 11. And this is, okay, I say one of my favorite. I have many, many favorite uh, promises. Luke 11. I'm talking about persistence in, in, uh, in prayer. Of course, we have actually... Uh, a sermon on that title, uh, Persevere in Prayer, or Prayer Perseverance. But he says, verse 9, Luke 11, verse 9, So I say to you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. So sometimes when we're claiming God's promise, we have to do our part. We have actions to take. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. 11. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? I always wonder whether it's okay to eat eggs. Well, Jesus said so. But verse 13. What an awesome promise. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What an awesome promise. 
you claim that promise. We, God tells us to renew His Spirit within us, you know, daily. So I hope you are asking and claiming that promise for God to give you His Holy Spirit. Those promises are a reflection of His love. What other kinds of promises are there? Of course, the promise of protection. And uh, Psalm 91, uh, we all know of the COVID coronavirus, so we're, we pray for God's protection. And, and God blessed us with this uh, past feast site, as Mr. Mar- uh, Mr. Weston has reported in his weekly update, that uh, we had very few, relatively few, COVID cases out of the 90 feast sites we had around the world. But in Psalm 91, I'll just read it, verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall apply, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Eternal, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. So we know that the, uh, they said a thousand shall fall at your side. This, of course, was read in the Ten Commandment movie, I don't know if you remember reading that, but it's actually Psalm 91 is a Psalm of Moses, and uh, sections of it were in that Ten Commandment movie. Turn to Second Corinthians, the tenth chapter. I, I presume that all of you, or most all of you, are very familiar with this scripture because all of us experience trials, and we know that one of the greatest promises that we need to claim during the times of trials. Is 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Oh, that's not the right. To, I'm sorry. That is, that's the wrong one. So it was at first. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10.13, sorry for the wrong reference. 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. You know, you think, well, you know, my, my trial is, is unique. You know, every human being has had trials. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but will with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be, may be able to bear it. So it doesn't mean you're going to be totally free of it, but that you may be able to bear it. So this is one of God's wonderful promises to us, and that He is faithful. And He expects us, of course, to be faithful. He is called the faithful God there in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9. But he said, God is faithful and will not allow us to be tempted above that which we are able. One of the wonderful promises that God gives us. And again, the assurance that we have of promises being fulfilled, as we've already mentioned, that we've seen that promises have been fulfilled. Prophecy has been fulfilled. And so let's turn to Luke, the 24th chapter, and we get that confirmation of Promises having been fulfilled, prophecy having been fulfilled, uh, Luke 24 and verse 44. Luke 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so you opened up their, their understanding. Then later verse 48, and you are witnesses of these things. 49, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So he talks about the promise of God and of course has also talked about the fulfillment of all the messianic prophecies regarding him. And, of course, there was a time study that was done uh, by, it was, uh, find his name here, Peter Stoner in the book uh, Science Speaks. Uh, well, all of the Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled were just by chance. No, 
There are about 300 prophecies about the first coming of the Messiah. And Peter Stoner, in his book, Science Speaks, examined the probability of one person fulfilling just 48 of those prophecies. For that to happen would be, the chance would be one in ten followed by 157 zeros. As someone calculated, that would be like trying to find one specific electron out of all the electrons in all of the known universe on the first attempt. So that was just 48 uh, prophecies, not alone the uh, 300. So the bottom line is, of course, that Christ's first coming could never have been prophesied by chance. It was fulfilled because God has all power. And he is the one that has amazing prophecies fulfilled. Let's talk about some of the one, some more of the wonderful promise that God gives us. He gives us uh, the matter of long life. Ephesians 6.1. Yes, of course, there are exceptions to that. Uh, Jesus only lived for 33 and a half years. And so, but Ephesians 6.1, if we're following his, his commandments, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. You know, both my parents are deceased. My father died at age 76 and a half in 1983. My mother died at age 90 in uh, the year 2000. Uh, but I still strive to honor my parents, even though uh, they are deceased. And I look forward to seeing them when they come up in the white throne judgment. What are some of the other promises? Well, Malachi 3 and verse 10. Let's turn there. Malachi 3 and verse 10. I bring this up in the tomorrow's world presentations and uh, realize this applies nationally as well as uh, individually. Malachi 3 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Eternal of hosts. I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be no room enough to receive it. And I know some of you are, uh, are very familiar. We have the first tithe, we have the festival tithe, and we have the third tithe are called the, for the poor, for the Levite, for the widows. And I remember my first time keeping the first, uh, the third tithe year. I had tremendous blessings. I had a, my first nonstop flight uh, across the United States from Los Angeles to Connecticut. I was married in my first third tithe year, so that was a an awesome benefit that God gave me. So you realize that, yes, God gives us wonderful blessings, but he indicts our whole nation and individuals. In verse 8, will a man rob God that you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even the whole nation. So I tell them in the TWP, yeah, the whole nation is indicted by God. And he says, you have robbed me this evening, this whole case, but you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Just think, if this whole nation would tithe, <laughs> well, uh, the gospel would be flooding the, the, the world 24-7. Uh, but the nation is cursed because it has robbed God. And, of course, some of us are, some of our poor uh, members and, and widows are, uh, don't have an increase. Uh, but God says you're still, even if you don't have an increase on in which to tithe, you still give an offering. And Jesus commended the widow who gave the two, two coins in the, in the treasury. She didn't, she gave all that she had. So we need to make sure that we're doing our best. But what God promises here, the opening, the windows of heaven, and I hope, uh, well, I can't see your hands. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you would say, yes, I have experienced this. I have received the blessing and the promise 
of this fulfillment that God has opened the windows of heaven and poured out blessings upon me. I won't raise your hands, but I'm sure that most and many of you have experienced that promise being fulfilled in your life. Philippians 4.19, we're looking at uh, some of the physical uh, blessings that God gives us. And uh, Philippians 4.19, many of you know the story of Mr. Armstrong and claiming of Philippians 4.19. Some of I've mentioned this before, but for some of you who are new, I'll just mention it to you. If you read Mr. Armstrong's autobiography, uh, you realize there was a time when in the early years of his ministry, he didn't have much money. And they had a new baby that was crying, and the baby needed uh, milk. And so I think, I don't know if uh, Loma asked uh, Herbert, I need 10 cents to buy milk for the crying baby. Well, I don't have 10 cents. So Mr. Armstrong went to a private place and prayed Proverbs, I mean, Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Of course, Jesus berated his audience there in Matthew, the sixth chapter, you know, about uh, God provides for the birds. He can provide for you. But Mr. Armstrong went and prayed and said, we got a crying baby here and I need some milk for the baby. I need 10 cents and I need it now. And so he prayed and when he got up from prayer, uh, Beverly, one of the daughters, said, Well, there's a, a rag and bottle man outdoors. And, well, invite him in. Maybe he can sell something. They went down in the basement and uh, looked at what he said. Oh, I, I don't see anything here. And, but just as he was going back up the stairs, he said, Oh, that, that stack of magazines. Oh, yeah, I'll give you ten cents for that. Uh, Mr. Armstrong apparently wanted to get a dollar out of him, but... Uh, no, he had only asked for 10 cents. So God answered that prayer. That's a wonderful example and a, a wonderful story of God answering our prayers and claiming God's promises. Philippians 4.19, and I hope you've claimed that promise, but you realize when he says all your need, that can also mean spiritual needs like correction. And I know I... I hesitate to ask God for correction because I know every time I do, I get correction. And I ask Him to correct me with mercy and uh, not with uh, anger or, or judgment, is called it. It says in Jeremiah 10, verse 23 and 24. Uh, so we ask God for providing our every need. Just one more uh, story here, because uh, there are multiple stories, but let's go on to Matthew 21. Uh, verse 22. To give you another example of a fulfilled promise or someone claiming promise, Matthew 21, verse 22. Uh, one of my colleagues that uh, worked at the television studio in Pasadena when we were doing the World Tomorrow program uh, came from a family that had, uh, he, his sister, I think, was five feet one inches. And as a boy, he said, I don't want to be five. I want to be six feet, two inches. And he somehow knew this particular promise in Matthew uh, 21, verse 22. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. So as a boy, he prayed that he would be contrary to his family that were all short, that he could be six feet, two inches. And when he grew up, he was six feet, two inches. So he always told me that story, and I always appreciated that. So there is another one. I'll give you my story. I've told you some before, but I'll share with some of you again that are new. Psalm 37.4, one of my favorite uh, promises. Psalm 37.4. I've claimed this many times, and I still claim it to this day for Uh, some of the desires that I have. Psalm 37 and verse 4. Delight yourself also in the eternal, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. We already read about the delight in the Sabbath, that God would cause us to ride on the high places of the earth to call the Sabbath the delight. 
And we hear sometimes our ministers say, well, God doesn't promise you what you desire. He just promises your need. Well, He does promise your need, but He also says with qualifications, He will give you the desires of your heart. That is, if you delight so in Him. In verse 5, commit your way to the eternal. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. And so some of you know the story, but some of you may be new. But back in 1967, when the Israelis took over the city of Jerusalem, it was a six-day war in Egypt and uh, Syria and Jordan attacked uh, Israel. Uh, Israel uh, counterattacked and uh, actually were heading towards uh, Damascus and heading towards Cairo, Egypt. Uh, they won the war and then they then actually took over the old city of Jerusalem. Before that, uh, that was under the control of Jordan. So in 1967, when Israel, Israel got control of the old city of Jerusalem, I asked God, and claiming this promise, that I could go to Jerusalem. And I reminded God that, I don't know, maybe not daily, but monthly over the next few years. So 17 years later, uh, God answered that prayer. And when we were there in uh, Ambassador College in Pasadena, uh, our Deputy Chancellor, Mr. Raymond McNair, said, Mr. Armstrong said, you and uh, Catherine need to go to be uh, chaperones of the City of David excavations in Jerusalem. And I, I literally jumped for joy. I mean, I jumped off the floor. I thought, I call it jump for joy moments. I hope you've had uh, jump for joy moments in your life. And so 17 years later, we went to Israel and we're on the, on the six week uh, dig there in the archaeological excavations in the City of David. And it just was a joy and be able to travel throughout Israel and uh, God since gave me three other times to go to Israel, in fact, with Mr. and Mrs. Don Davis in uh, 1998 when we were on the uh, Global Church of God, the Feast of Tabernacles in 1998. So delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. But oh, now, oh, Mr. Ames, you just said that took you 17 years. I don't want to wait for 17 years till God gives me the desires of my heart. Well, uh, let me give you another story that will give you a little more hope and encouragement. Turn to Ephesians, the third chapter. Ephesians, the third chapter. So one of my favorite uh, favorite promises, well, uh, Psalm 37.4. I, I didn't mention, but Psalm 30, 34, verse 7 says, An angel will encamp about those who fear the Lord. So Psalm 37.4 and Psalm 34-7. So they, you interpolate, invert the numbers there. But God is giving that wonderful. But here in Ephesians 3.20 is another one of my favorite uh, promises. Ephesians 3, this whole section, of course, starting uh, with, with verse 14, down to the end of the the of the uh, Chapter Ephesians 3.14 For this reason I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We have the whole course, the whole purpose of life is that God is reproducing Himself and that we are a part of His family. We are sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We are His family even now. We are His begotten children waiting to be born at the seventh trumpet. And, and our brethren who are who recently died or sleeping in Jesus uh, will be there at the seventh trumpet. And that's not too far away. I'm not setting dates, uh, but it's not too far away. We know prophecy has to be fulfilled, and there are a sequence of prophetic events. But he goes on to say that he will be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, verse 17 being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, the ultimate fulfillment of that will be when we are born into the family of God, we will certainly have the fullness of God at that point. But notice verse 20. 
Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Would you have the boldness to claim this promise that God would do abundantly, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think? When I finished my college year at uh, Pasadena, the freshman year at Ambassador College, I, I went back to my old engineering job in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. In fact, it was Dr. Meredith's uh, freshman class on the life and teaching of Jesus uh, covering the, the boldness of Peter and how bold Peter was. I thought, well, I'll be bold. I'll write my former employer, uh, Garland Wood, at the Southeastern Virginia Regional Planning Commission, and ask if I can work there the summer between my freshman and, and uh, junior years. It would be the next year. And uh, I will ask uh, for my same salary that I had, and I will ask for transportation expenses round trip from Los Angeles to Norfolk, Virginia. So I was just bold in asking for those particular requirements. And Garlandwood wrote back and said, uh, Dick, we will, uh, we'll be happy for you to work for us for the summer, and uh, well, you can have your same salary, and we will give you transportation expenses one way. So I didn't get two ways, but I got the one way and worked there. But then I said, now, where can I live? When I was there, I lived on, at Virginia Beach, a mile from the, from the beach in a widow's home, rented an apartment, and uh, paying about $150 a month. And uh, she was, uh, I called her, and first thing, I said, well, uh, Mrs. Barkley, do you still have that apartment available? She said, oh, sorry, Dick, it's uh, rented out. Uh, so I thought, oh, um, when I got off the plane, I was thinking, I want this mansion. I want a, a place exceedingly abundantly to live in this summer while I'm there working in Norfolk. So I got off the plane, went to the uh, YMCA, where can I rent a room, maybe at $2 a night, but it was, it was substandard. So I went down and finally rented a, a, an apartment just two blocks from the office where I worked. And it was a, a uh, efficiency apartment uh, with, uh, down in the basement with windows, and I could see people's feet walking above. So it wasn't all that pleasant. Every day after work, I was looking for this mansion that God was going to give me, exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask uh, to live that summer uh, working in Norfolk. Well, I, it came to the end of the week, and, and God didn't give me this mansion, so I had to change from a weekly rate, uh, renting the apartment, to a monthly rate. And so that night, when making the decision, I prayed and said, Well, Father in heaven... If you want me to live in this depressing efficiency apartment for the for a month, your will be done. The next day, Friday, my landlady from before called me from Virginia Beach. So, Dick, if I move out of my home, would you want to rent it? Your apartment in my home is already rented to another man, but would you want to? She was going to move out of her house. So I could rent her the rest of the house. Oh, how much? $150, the same amount I was paying for the apartment the previous year. Yes, God did bless me and answer that prayer exceedingly abundantly above all that I could have asked for a place, accommodations to live that summer. Now, I'll just give you one more story. And then my secretary there at Big Sandy, that would have been during the 70s. Uh, she was a, a third tithe widow. She was being uh, supported by the church from brethren who put in their, their third tithe. And she was helping there in the festival office building where I had my office for uh, the visiting program and uh, teaching classes at Ambassador. And she was just expressing she was just down and, oh, Mr. Rames, I just really would like to, to travel, like to go someplace, and I just, just feel like I need to go some, travel, do something. I said, well, uh, her name, uh, well, her name was Mary, or was not Mary. I said, well, Mary, uh, I told her the Ephesians 3.20 story. Uh, I'll just encourage you, just 
pray and claim God's promise of Ephesians 3.20. And uh, you mean I've got to pray this? That he will do above all that I ask or think according to the power of the works? I see you just be bold and ask God that you can, can travel somewhere exceedingly abundantly above all that you can think or ask. Now, she didn't have to wait 17 years. It was less than a year. There was another widow lady in the Big Sandy area who was planning to travel around the world. And she invited my secretary, Mary, to travel with her, all expenses paid. She traveled to the offices in, in uh, South Africa and uh, Burley Heads, Australia, and in, and in uh, the Philippines. She traveled around the world free of charge. So there is hope for all of you, brethren. If you are bold and you're claiming God's promise, as he tells us there, of course, in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Turn back to uh, Hebrews 4. You claim God's promises boldly. And, uh, and But you have to still give that qualification. You know, not my will, but your will be done. And as Dr. Meredith said so many times, said, when you ask God something and you're expecting Him, it needs to be that His time and in His will, and not your time and, and your, your will. So it's in His way and in His various, and His time is what you do it. So, so Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come, what? Boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so... We come boldly before God's throne, and we know that we're asking for His will be done. But we realize that when we're asking God for these blessings and these promises, that it needs, that has to be in the context of choosing true values and for the blessing of building godly character in each of us. And so we can claim God's promises not just for ourselves and for our families, but we claim God's promises for the work as well. The Apostle Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. He said that in 1 Corinthians. And so we pray for the work. And thank you, brethren, that you are for the Holy Day offerings and all the support that you're giving God's work. And we realize that as we brought out the behind the work video at the feast, uh, that we had uh, a time when 2020 over 2019 would have been a depressing. We would have lost income because of the economy and because of the the pandemic going around the world. And yet God gave us a 27% increase in 2020 over uh, 2019. God gives the increase. You can claim God's promise. I I pray about that every day for the work. Uh, Pray for more co-workers and donors and ministers and and, uh, members. As he tells us in Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38, to pray for more laborers to come into the harvest. And we have quite a harvest, and we've got a wonderful program of TWPs coming up. I hope you'll be praying for them. Well, before we conclude, I'll just give you one more sampling of some promises here. Um, let's turn to... Pro- to Hebrews 12, verse 5. We're in Hebrews 6. Hebrews 12 and verse 5. Hebrews 12 and verse 5. I mentioned this before, that God will provide every need. And one of those promises He gives us, that He wants us to stay on the right track. He wants us to be living by every word of God. Hebrews 12 and verse 5. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, 
God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom a father does not chasten? But if you will, without chastening, of which all have become partakers, you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in the subjection to the Father of spirits and live? So God does promise us protection, and he promises us peace of mind. You might turn there to Philippians We realize in a day of mental illness, uh, realizing stresses, uh, so many uh, millions of people in the United States and around the world, drug addicts and those who are discouraged for many different reasons, and yet here God gives us such awesome sound-mindedness, the gift of sound-mindedness. It tells us the part of his spirit. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And he gives us these promises in Philippians 4, in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Uh, Are you ever anxious? I get anxious from time to time, but I have to deal with that anxiety and say, I want that love that casts out fear. 1 John 4, verse 18. Perfect love casts out fear. So when I'm asking, getting a little anxious or nervous, I claim that promise, that God has given us a spirit of love that casts out fear. And so we have to choose. And you realize, what am I anxious about? What can I, what request can I make to God with thanksgiving to solve this anxiety, this problem, or what I may be facing? Uh, if you have a problem, you might want to suggest a solution to God, along with thanksgiving. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So claim those promises. There's so many more promises we don't have time to discuss. The promises of forgiveness in 1 John 1 and verse 9, the promises of salvation that we shall be saved by his life. Romans 5 and verse 10. And promises of healing, of course, in, in James the fifth chapter. We have the old song, Standing on the Promises. I, I sing that uh, at home every once in a while. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. So God gives us the guarantee. He calls us heirs of promise in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, in verse 17. And actually, Galatians 4:28 tells us, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. So in Galatians 4:28, we're called children of promise. And in Hebrews 6, verse 17, we are called heirs of promise. So know who you are. We need faith to embrace the promises, to claim the promises. We realize, as it tells us in Hebrews uh, 6, chapter and verse 12, that we, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That's Hebrews 6 and verse 12. So, brethren, thank God for all the promises he gives us. He says that his promises are yes, that he has given the guarantees of those promises. So let's remember, let's turn one more scripture to 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. We realize that we are heirs of promise. We are children of promise. And that God has called us to claim those promises and rejoice in them. The mystery at Oak Island has never been solved. Though the physical treasures that won't be found, but God is giving us wonderful treasures, spiritual treasures that he'll give us if we claim God's promises. Second Corinthians 1 and verse 20. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. 
For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So, brethren, let's pray for those things exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. God has so much power. Uh, we sometimes limit God and what He can do, but He is not limited. So pray for the work, that God will bless the work abundantly above all that we can ever think or ask or imagine, and that we can fulfill the great commission that He's given us to warn the nations, to preach the gospel, to strengthen the brethren and feed the flock. Those at Oak Island will never find the treasure. If they do, it will be meaningless compared to what God gives us. So God has given us the promise of His coming kingdom. So brethren, let's look forward to the coming kingdom of God, the fulfillment of the greatest promise of all, the second coming of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God on this earth. As heirs of promise and children of promise, let's thank God for his true treasures. And let's rejoice in claiming God's priceless and precious promises.